It's really funny, too, because I have to giggle a little in the places I walk in now that have, like, 17 different types of toilet paper. <laughs> you got tree-free toilet paper. And, yeah, they can't get and, rid of it now. And Joe's environment, because they obviously were, like, asking anybody, hey, oh, sure. you got toilet paper? I knew that was going to happen, too, because when they started ramping sure. up production... And, yeah. you know, it's always a, a major delay between when they ramp up and before they actually can deliver it. I think this is and, the first time yep. in human history places like CVS have whole aisles dedicated yep. to hand sanitizer. <laughs> Plenty of that, too, now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good to see. It's, it's like the, every the seasonal type. aisle at Walgreens is just all paper, toilet paper <laughs> toilet and sanitizer. Paper and sanitizer. <laughs> it's finally good to start seeing Lysol wipes available oh again. Oh, my God. It's like I would expect it when I go pick up my prescription, you think, oh, they're going to have the Halloween stuff up now. Now, nope. It's yeah. all toilet paper and sanitizer. I'll see you go toilet papering on Halloween. It's it's a tradition. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, since since nothing's happening on Halloween anywhere this year. Oh my sure. god! And that hand sanitizer, like Smiths. I walk in there and I spray down the cart and I wipe it down and okay, I, okay hands sanitize my hands and get to the big giant monster dispenser and you hit the pump and it's like. You mean it's not? <laughs> yes, it's like it's like diluted. Mm. And it's like almost like water, and oh. it just and it's splashing, and you're like, oh god, and you're like <laughs> rubbing, you know, your hands together, and it's like flying everywhere, and you realize that that uh, Smiths had to put a wet mat uh, right under the table where they're doing the hand sanitizing and all that because it's just like splash, splash, and and they perfume it. Pretty oh. hard too. Okay, because at one point, like sticky ties. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm you know in the car and I go to remove my mask and suddenly, I'm just like, wow, I just fell into a garden or something. What the <laughs> hell's that? And I couldn't figure out where it was coming from for a while. And it what was my hands. Here? Yeah, it's like really heavily perfumed and and very very watery. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 553. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Watery K. We're here to talk. We can geek. And yeah, how are you guys out there doing in the pandemic? Remember, it's still happening. That's yep. right. Despite what the RNC wants to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, stay safe. I will say it does my heart good to see how many masks are in Vegas now. Yeah. Like 98% of the people are doing it. Right. So I'm, I am glad to see that. So I haven't been around any of the times where apparently customers like refuse to wear masks. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Sure. I mean, I don't go out that often, but right. you know, when I do, I do just like you, I've, I've noticed everybody's wearing their masks and at least, you know, have the outward appearance of taking things seriously. Yes, so. indeed. Don't get me wrong. There's assholes out there. We see video of it all the time. Yes. Yeah. But overall, right. people are doing right. And I yeah. lost a, I lost another friend on Facebook for uh, over COVID denial. Ah, yeah. So, this one though unfriended me. Ah. Actually, I didn't do it. So there you go. There it is. There you go. I feel that's a good change. Some people can't tolerate having their their beliefs challenged, even yeah. if there's facts to back up. Which is hilarious because that's one of the grounding points of his argument. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, you can't move out of your beliefs. You can't." You can't, uh, uh, you know, adjust your, uh, adapt your, uh, 
your, you know, what you, what you believe in and what you think is true. And I'm like, look who's talking. I can sit here and provide information. Yeah. Debunking the COVID's deaths are being overreported so hospitals make more money, which of course is one of the points that he says the, the COVID deaths are overinflated. And he, uh, he didn't even address that. He was just like, you got your beliefs, I've got mine. <laughs> That's and not like, how this shit works. Wait, you just, you just <laughs> said, and, then, and he's like, unfriend me if you want. And then I was unfriended. Yeah. I always like the uh, the Tim Minchin quote that says, uh, science adjusts its beliefs based on what's observed. Faith is the denial of observation so that belief can be preserved. Hmm, there mm. it is. So. Uh, I do want to uh, bring up something that happened just after uh, we finished wrapping up the podcast last week. Oh, because I always let my wife know that I'm I'm headed home after the show. So I, I texted her, as I normally would. Uh, I, I texted, sweet love of my life, I'm all finished here, and I'm headed home. I love you, <laughs> and I've missed you. Oh, no. <laughs> and then realized I sent that text to Barry. <laughs> um, it's, uh, and and I, I realized it immediately, and it's one of those things, because... Because we all know Barry is not the sweet love of your life. Right. He's the uh, bane of your existence. Meanwhile, exactly. Barry is, is telling Deb, well, I'm done here packing up and heading to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, immediately I, I write to Barry. So sorry, Barry, that wasn't meant for you as much as you want it to be. And then Barry responds. Uh-oh. But Pookums, you wound me. My sweet baboo, say you still love me. Huggy bear, sugar tits, I ache for your sweaty embrace. As Luna is drawn to the earth, ever captured in her irresistible gravity, so too am I enraptured by your siren call. Your absence is a yawning chasm in my heart, a maddening silence void of warmth and satisfaction. You are but minutes away, or maybe just out of sight, or just in the toilet, but you are galaxies away to me. Our passion would scorch the earth under our steel-booted tread, laying waste to cities, and we would consummate our desire upon the countless charred bodies of the fallen and disbelieving. Woe to our oppressors and those who would snicker at our most holy and sticky union. These phones, these crude tools, are poor couriers of our brutal lusts. Rush once again to my side, my fuzzy-wuzzy pookie-poo, and bring tacos for we will hunger once our juices are spent. Oh, my. <laughs> and I write, bravo, you, you truly are a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he writes back, well, shit, I can't let something like that slide. And I said, I'm, getting, I'm reading this on the show, you know. And then he finishes off with, well, then you can read this too. Hashtag Team Vlark. <laughs> so yeah that happened immediately after last week's show Aww, so so sweet I, you know i i could uh, not unusual for me to send a, a text meant for my wife to a friend and oh i I, yeah, I've got you, I know you've gotten them everyone's gotten them. <laughs> and i don't mind but this one this one this one it, it gross this 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 one about broke me. <laughs> I like I like how earlier today you sent out the call time is at six. Then we get this. I'm I'm afraid I'm not going to have any time. And I'm like, time for what? We're not doing the podcast. And 
And then it was really funny because on the other multiple thread, you said, I responded to the wrong multiple thread, Kirsten. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And I was, I was about to respond to that. And then I was like, I, 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 I'll take the pressure off. <clears throat> uh, anyway, um, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week besides accidentally pour your love out to Barry? <laughs> Well, Kirsten and I just watched uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yes. Oh, you both watched you it. That, what yes, do you think? I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's okay. A, I mean, I mean, it's it's got a lot of heart, which I, I think mm. I was expecting a lot more comedy, but there's a lot more heart to this one. Yes. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to think how to, to say anything without giving away, because since it just came out, sure, sure. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But uh, Appreciate it. Those guys fell right back into those roles. Yes, they did. Very well. Yes, they did. I think the only thing is that, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves' voice is so much deeper now than when he did Ted 25 years ago. So it's, it's you know, it's the same delivery and the same mannerisms in a much deeper voice. Okay. So that, that was throwing me for a little bit up front. But uh, Alex Winter doesn't look like he's aged much at all. In 25 years. He's I mean, always just looked like a kid. Yeah. And he just, you know, also, for somebody that hasn't really done any acting in the last 20 plus years, because he's moved more into producing and then directing and produ- and making um, documentaries, um, he literally had sworn off acting. But when this got some legs and started moving forward, he said he was definitely willing to, to take the role on again. And kudos to him for, you know being semi-retired from acting and jumping right back in and recapturing that role so well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He uh, he did a very good job, I uh-huh. thought, of uh, of getting back into it, actually. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's really funny, too. Reeves, he really, he really, it was, he really did it because there were times when, like, they had to run and stuff, and I'm looking at him run, and I'm just like, he he's 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 not action hero John Wick yeah. running. He's he's Ted running. He's Ted running. He's not John Wick running. <laughs> and and that looks, it looks a little ungainly. There's yes. a, there's a certain grace lacking. It was actually pretty good. Just, <laughs> it just really shows you the depth of him as as his talent yeah. as an actor. Yeah. It's, Remember when we used to make fun of him? I know. I, I mean, I've always between that and Point Break. Well, yeah. the, the, you know that my joke used to always be is he does one hell of a Keanu Reeves, but he actually uh, he's he 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 actually there's more to it than you think. I think that sometimes he gets shoehorned into some weird stuff, like uh, prime example Dracula. Sure. Yeah, that and, that was a very unnatural fit. Well, yeah. and, and when you're trying to be a working actor and the, all the roles that you're getting are the ones that he was getting, like with Point Break. And, right. Sure. And but, but, uh, right. what was the Cold Fusion one that he did? Well, yeah, but the, then, then you, you know, know, Matrix comes along yes. and changes everything. Yeah. That just changed. People started taking him serious as an actor and he said the roles just start, you know, I was able to pick and choose my roles for the first time, really. Yeah. I think it's more to blame that... He got better because of Dog Star, but that's just me. Oh well, yeah, and you know he put that to use in this movie. Oh, he put his Dog Star chops to use. No, well he, you know, he played music. Oh right, know, right. You know, they play building. Right, right, right. What it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, <clears throat> but and and everybody was back. Yeah, everybody that was nice. 
even even some of the bitter bit bitter bitter bit <laughs> you bet <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah bit players from you know the other movies like Missy the 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 stepmom slash you know you're older than them <laughs> that married both of their dads and everything uh, she's yeah. back um, both the ladies that played the princesses yes in, oh, wow. um, the princesses in, uh, not the first film because it was recast for uh, bogus journey but. Those actresses from Bogus Journey are oh, back. Wow. Uh, even Ted's dad, um, the, the, the actor name escaping because you, you, you see, he's another one of those like you've seen him in so many movies. Yeah, and you, yeah. you would immediately <clears throat> know his face, but not necessarily his name. He's back. Um, Will William Sadler's back. Oh, that I was, mean, they and they they gave him they gave him a nice fun scene. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was it just he threw himself into it, and they it was just fun. Tons of fun, and the the girls they cast to play girls, the young women that were cast to be their daughters in this film, did a really good job of yeah, emulating to an extent the but, Bill and Ted characters, but not doing but wholesale. Making, impression. Yeah, exactly. Do it, making them their own. Uh, Samara Weaving plays Bill's daughter, and um, I, I I'm totally blanking out on the because yeah. I looked it up before we started recording, mm-hmm. and now I've forgotten again. Uh, but the young lady that plays Ted's daughter is really good at catching the kind of the way that that uh, Keanu Reeves does the intonations of Bill's line delivery and the but the, making it her own. Yeah, and the shift, and the mannerisms, the yes. mannerisms, the shifting side to side and stuff like that was very good. But yeah, so. without it being a complete aping of those characters, I just thought I thought it was a brilliant movie. Um, I wish I didn't have to wait 25 years to see it, but uh, um, that was one of the things they were talking about in the interviews is like, you know, they were talking about doing a sequel and then it got shelved for like 10 years and then like another couple of years would go by and then they kind of got in their head because the original creators that um, of the characters wrote this script and this notion of them, well, let's do it with these guys in their 50s. So, you know, let's say they were 25 and the last time we saw them, now they're 50. And they said, well, we're just a little bit older than that now, but it still plays well because you're in that much older age and the whole notion of what if everything you thought was going to happen happened, but then after that you kind of faded into obscurity. You know, you you were the the most recognized band in the world for like a short time and then suddenly you're trying to recapture that glory. And that's apparently what the the characters had been doing for the last twenty five years. So. Yeah, yeah. So, Bogus. It's a, so it's a story of Creed. <laughs> that was one of the ones. Oh. That apparently, that was an inspiration for this style of <laughs> of movie. It's like you know, how do we tell the story but make it its own unique? Yeah, which Bogus. is another reason I don't want to say too much more because there is there there's layers to this story. It is a Bill and Ted story, but not just a Bill and Ted story. Yeah, Bogus Journey is still. My favorite, yeah. I think. I think the the finer of the movies, but this is. I think this is entertaining. Yeah, well, it's funny too, because Bogus Journey was their favorite up until this one because they said that they got to do some pretty crazy stuff that they didn't think the studio was going to let them do. You know, the notion of them going to hell and then you know fighting death and then coming back and then winning a battle of the bands and they seriously thought the studio was just going to put the kibosh on all of that because i guess the original title for the script of bogus journey was bill, bill and ted, ted go, go to hell. hell and so uh um, and geez nowadays yeah who'd ball no big deal that? sure 
but yeah, apparently the only restriction they had was the name had to go progress. So that's why it, you know, <laughs> it got called Bogus Journey. But like literally everything else, they were like, yeah, whatever. Fantastic. Yeah. So there it is. It's, yeah. It's out. It's in the theaters. If you're willing to, if you're a do fan that, of the or- first two films, I highly recommend seeing it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's of course it's VOD for everybody else. Yes. Uh, it's available on Google Play Movies and TV. It's available on Amazon Prime Video. It's only twenty bucks. Okay. So to to rent for twenty four hours. <clears throat> yeah, you know it's funny too because I was thinking about those rental prices and I was just like thinking of my friends uh, that <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking of my friends who. You know, we'll be like, Kirsten, do you know how much money it costs me to take my family to a movie? And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a lot. And I'm like, uh, granted, it's on your TV screen. It's not on the big screen. But 20 bucks actually is not all that bad for that kind of first release. If you watch that by yourself, maybe that's a little rougher. That might be, you know, uh, what are you doing? But yeah, And, and you know. Because hey, I mean, do- I, I occasionally see when they do that direct to video. Sometimes it's thirty bucks for the first time, like twenty nine ninety nine, and then it drops down later on. Okay. But well, in in this particular case too, in the time of COVID, it's yeah. um, I I actually kind of like that. So because wasn't that Trolls that came out like right after yes. the lockdown? Wasn't that like thirty bucks when it came out initially? I didn't look at the I don't price, I don't but know. didn't it? I'm trying do- to remember. It did really well. It did well, didn't it? Yeah. It did far better than Universal thought it was going to do as an on-demand. I want to be careful title. talking right. about how well something did or how badly, because well, you know yeah. somebody Compared will to. somebody will write in and talk about how we're wrong, like say on an overwhelming vote versus a very close vote or something <laughs> like that. You know, Biggs is fact-checking this episode. I hope you realize. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fact-check Andy has uh, absolved himself of, of yeah, that pa- role. yeah. Andy's just like fuck it. I don't care anymore yeah so so we got to tonight steve yeah to make tonight sure. the role of fact check andy will be played by stephen <laughs> biggs stephen biggs and of course our love goes out to andy <laughs> and matt and yep all those affected yes one way or the other I, t- I know there's something else I did this week. Well, then I, just, I will I'm step like, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Shock Monkey Elizabeth actually brought this to my attention. I didn't Ooh. know it existed. Nice. And then when she said, Ooh. this is existing, go get it. Uh-huh. And I said, yes, please. Mm. Because uh, HBO Max did a documentary called Class Action Park. Yes, I saw that. Uh, if you're not familiar, Action Park was a water slide park. Well, it was a multi... Uh, it was can't a, call it called yeah. Rides... Uh, but a, a multi-thing park <laughs> in the 70s. One of the earliest water parks in the United States. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville did a, a movie about it a couple of years ago. Okay. But this is the documentary that you're talking about, yes, right? Yes, that talks about its inception, uh, the history of the horrible rides that they had. Oh, yeah. And uh, what ended up happening to the park itself and the, the owner. It's, Rides is such a loose term because they is. were they were not professionally designed. No, they did not involve engineers. Nope. They would go out and get plastic tubing. Yep. And then co- create a track of some sort and then just put it together, oh. test it on some crash test dummies, and then give $100 bills to their teenage employees as the next test group. Wow. Yeah. So anarcho-capitalism at its best. It, it, it was created by a guy, a, a Wall Street trader. That 
decided he just wanted to go into this business and he got a friend of his on wall street to basically be the money guy to get investors and created this. They had a, it's one of the first things you'll see in the documentary, a looping tube water slide where it would, you go just down at an angle and it would go into a loop de loop. He talks about how once they threw the crash test dummies down and they came out broken, uh, they made some adjustments to it. And after they did the adjustments, they made the offer to the teenage employees, which is all that worked there, usually 14 to 18, uh, which you have to be at least 16 to operate rides. Yep. A $100 bill if they would go right on this. And then the first few came through just with bruises on their face and it just, just messed up, but alive. And so the, who's next? And then people started going down. They started getting lacerations. Something in there was cutting it. So when they opened it up to figure out what was causing the lacerations, the lodged teeth that were knocked out of the first kids that went through oh my God. were lodged into the padding of the slide, and people were scraping their bodies against those teeth. Yeah, oh my see, God. if the slide didn't have padding, that wouldn't have happened, would it? Fine point. Yeah. Fine well, I guess point. you could say that ride has some teeth to it. Oh, that, it's... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it was, it's it's really the most Anne Randian yeah. uh, park that's ever been opened. Oh well, yeah. you, you don't need regulations. Right. It, it was it was super fun for everyone involved, but because it was the fun was very high risk for almost every ride you went on in some way. I remember reading an article around the time the Knoxville movie came out that was talking about it from perspective of people that lived near it, and. When I heard about the documentary coming out, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm actually kind of excited for this documentary because the article just made it sound so bizarre and so chaotic. I'm like, I can't wait to see in a documentary where they're going to actually have footage of stuff that went on there. Uh, and, and the documentary does a really good job of giving you a rope dope and then punching you in the face for it. Oh. And I, I was impressed when it happened. I'm like, okay, I, I see how this is because... The whole first part of it is going ride by ride and talking about all the people that got hurt on it or the things that got wrong with it. And then they interview a family of somebody who died in the park. Oh. And then you're like, I feel like shit for this first half of going, oh my God, I can't believe it's happening and getting this entertainment out of it. And then seeing the actual impact that it had on people Mm. for being the unregulated, horrible thing that it was. Yeah, but dude, market forces, right? <laughs> market forces end up shutting that shit down. I can't wait to watch it just to find out how they got away with not being regulated for so many years. The dude, you have to be insured, bonded and insured to yeah. open up the park. But he refused to do that. He created a fake insurance company in the Cayman Islands oh my God. and claimed that is his insurance. And then when people tried to claim against it, it was like, it's not really insured. It's actually just this guy. You're not going to get much money on it. And he litigated everything going forward. There was never a settlement. If you sued him, he was going to make sure you ran out of money before he did. Wow. The, the, the rich man's defense. So, yeah, the guy who ran it, ugly as shit as far as a human being goes. And, and the, just the the, sh- oh, the shit that he pulled in that town. I highly recommend it. It's fascinating, especially if you are interested at all in theme park history, because this is one of the earliest of its kind. 
and it's also the craziest that's probably ever been opened in the United States. So it's called Class Action Park. It was made specifically for HBO Max, so you have to have access to that first, of course. Very cool. So what else you do, gentlemen? Jeff, did you remember? Oh, I did start watching a documentary, because you mentioned documentary. There's a documentary on HBO now, too, called The Vow, which is uh, about that whole uh, Nexium uh, scandal. Ooh, wow. Um, it's only two episodes deep so far. Does it say how many there's going to be? I I didn't look it up. Okay. But uh, I would imagine if it's an HBO doc, it's probably not going to be any more than six episodes, because they're full hour episodes. Okay. And I mean full hours in, like, from the moment it starts till the credits are rolling. Okay, so what's it about? Uh, Nexium was this, essentially a cult that was sex formed cult. out of a... Sex cult. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It, it did become a sex cult. Um, Is this the one from, with that girl from yes. Smallville? Yes, yeah. Uh, Allison Mack uh, got involved in it. She wasn't a founding member, but she got... She was a founding member of the sex cult part of this, because uh, it was really originally supposed to be a uh, a training program that was supposed to teach you how to... It, it, very Anthony Robbins kind of stuff, you know, believe okay. in yourself, blah, blah, blah. Here's some techniques to help you, you know, achieve in life. And then... Awaken it, the giant within. Yeah, man. really turned into this whole cult-like system. And, she she had become like a recruiter in it, this thing. Yeah, she did. Uh, well, she recruited other women into the sex cult part thing because um, there were active recruiters, both male and female, for the training program part, which... People, rec- re- women were recruited out of the training program into this this sex cult part. So they haven't gotten deep into the sex cult part. Yeah, they're they're the first two episodes were oh, essentially setting up. I see. You they make know, you wait for it. How yeah, the really. how the whole thing got started. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating so far. I'm uh, I'm inter- I mean, I know a little bit about it. There's there's been news articles and so forth in the past, and because I was a fan of Smallville, I was like curious as to how somebody that was a talented young actress would get involved and and become an oppressor and because uh, she became one of the entities that was keeping these women subservient. Like Ugh. she would recruit them in, and then you know they would have what they called collateral against them, like oh, you know geez. some kind of a you know some kind of a dark secret that they didn't want revealed to the world, etc. And she, then of course, uh, Gillian you know, Maxweldom. Yeah. No, see, that's why I had to open up at the beginning about the Barry's text because I couldn't let him have that over me. I had to, <laughs> yeah. I had to let the world know that so that Barry, I could take that power away from Barry. Do yeah, that. embarrass yourself. Don't yeah, let you him don't want Barry him. to have power over you. No, you know, no, he's already got people brainwashed in this whole Team Vlog thing. Yeah, really, and that's just Minecraft. Yeah. Wait till that documentary comes out in twenty right. years. <laughs> Next thing you know, Chris, you're going to be involved in some kind of Barry sex cult. You don't want that. <laughs> You do realize that Barry's not really in charge of shit. He just seems like he is. Uh, Microscope, Deb, the run. real Deb's the real power behind that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> all I know is I want my own sex cult. I want a sex cult. I got to lose some weight first. No, we've learned that. You don't yeah. have to do that at all. I was going to say, all. if you're a cult leader, you don't need to even be handsome. Oh, yeah, you mean like the svelte Jim Jones? Don't tell me that. I, I need to lose some weight. If you if yeah, you entice if you entice me with the whole you don't need to lose weight to have a sex cult, I'm lost. <laughs> I'll never lose weight. It'll be terrible. Mm, I'll entice and frozen. <laughs> That's what I'll, I'll do. Yeah, the the women assisting that sort of thing 
can be a very weird phenomenon. That's one of the things that comes up repeatedly in articles and stories I've read about uh, law enforcement going after uh, yeah. pedophiles and pedophile rings. Yeah. Is, you know, it's overwhelmingly men, um, despite, you know, various hot teacher, young student scandals that yeah. come up in the news. It's overwhelmingly men, but they were very surprised at the sheer number of women who will actually help these guys groom and recruit. Yep. And we're talking about pedophilia, pedophilia. Yeah, look the, at the yeah, old Jeffrey Epstein well, thing. Well, and, I was going to yeah. say the pre-adolescent pedophilia thing. It's just, it's it's really kind of crazy. It's gross. Yeah. I think gross is the right word. I think Man. that's yeah. appropriate. Uh Wow, why do you go from here? Jesus Christ. Um, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll flip it. You know what else I did this week? I, Saturday? You painted I, some minis. I did. I, I did, I, I did uh, finish a commission for Dave Rader once again. I appreciate it, Dave Rader. Thank you so much. Uh, so uh, I'm still working on your ship. So I've, I've got I've got you covered, Matt. I'm still working on it. It's coming along. So you haven't along. got your ship together yet? Oh, dude. Oh. Uh, <laughs> most, most, of, most of the... <laughs> Airplane two is on there. Uh, I could tell. the The decals are are still a, a, a maddening mess. I, I keep thinking, okay, I've got the worst out of the way, and then I come across one that just is worse. Yeah. So all right, but it's it's all the biggest ones are done uh, for better or ill at this point. Uh, it, it will take a lot of painting to cover up all the oh, the messed dear. up decal stuff, but My it's happening. Goodness. So. So I, I promise that that is still getting worked on. Uh, but on Saturday, I watched the entire season, first season of Cobra Kai. Oh, okay. Oh. And yesterday, I watched the entire second season of Cobra Kai. Okay. I've been planning on doing that, and I just keep getting distracted. By uh, I was actually inspired to watch it because Captain Luddite posted on the on the face, uh, Facebook page that is like this has horrible writing this has horrible acting i am not getting into this it is so funny because i have it on good authority from star wars sequels haters that cobra kai that's how you do a sequel <laughs> kevin smith is completely enamored with it like he's he puts it right up there with his degrassi love yeah and what little i've heard described of it i've been actually interested in i've uh to luddite's point Yes, especially when it starts out, there are some really heavy acting and writing hiccups that get a little better as it goes along, but they weren't enough to make me absolutely not love this series. Oh, that's good. I absolutely adore it through and through. Now, there are some things that cringe me up a little about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's tell the story of these two rival dojos once again, years later, that they still haven't given up their beef from ages ago. And now let's paint it with a big chunk of Dawson's Creek. Ah. So so it gets kind of Dawson Creaky cringy, especially in the second season, but it's still really good. And I, I, anytime there is a scene involving the two dojos, I really, really enjoy it. Oh, good. When it starts to get... There's two kinds of teenage melodrama out there. There's the Degrassi kind, which is like, you know what? We're just going to throw it out there and give some real world problems. And then there's beautiful people having relationship issues, <laughs> which is the more Dawson Creek style. Right. And that's what this one really has in spades when you're talking about the sons and daughters of our protagonists. Uh, but when it gets down to the story of Cobra Kai versus uh, Miyagi Do Karate, wait a minute. Ooh, it's a, a minute. it's it's so much fun. Sons and daughters. 
Yes. Yes. Does this fucking go Romeo and Juliet? Nope. Okay, good. Kinda. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> uh, what little I know about it so far, because I haven't watched it, uh, Johnny has a son and Daniel has a daughter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was afraid it was going to go Romeo and Juliet, especially in that yeah. second season. And right. it didn't. And so oh, I was good. glad that, oh. but it was skirting close. Hmm. It was skirting real close. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that they, so far, as far as I'm aware, have brought the entire soundtrack except for best around from that first movie nice. in there. So, and at some point in this, you will hear songs that you recognize from the first film. And they've brought back every goddamn actor that's been a, they've been able to thus far. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ralph Macchio's character, yep. uh, his mother that played in the original oh, really? movie. Get she is the in it. fuck out. That's awesome. So, so it's, it's, it's been great. And, I, I had forgotten that we covered on uh, on the show that the guy that played Tommy, which was the uh, second hand to the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the leader of Cobra Kai, uh, that he had died of cancer. Oh, uh, this 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 happened a while ago. We, we yeah, reported yeah, yeah. It on the show, and I forgotten that they recorded an episode with him as that character in this no when shit. he was thoroughly suffering from cancer at the time and they brought all the cobra kai that were still alive during that and brought them all together and did some final scenes with this guy and it's an it was actually beautiful to watch that's cool so i've the show has a lot of heart and it's been really fun to revisit with these characters because i especially karate kid one and two i really enjoy that in my understanding in three they're going to get into the okinawa stuff and the hmm. third season, which comes what twenty spring twenty twenty one, I think is when it comes out. Yeah, because they were going to start production on it before COVID hit, right. if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. But uh, first two seasons are on Netflix. Each episode is a half hour long. There's about ten episodes, so you'll be done in five hours with each season. Yeah, that's what Kevin Smith said. It's two five hour mini movies. But if you have any love for Karate Kid, this really is a good sequel to especially the first Karate Kid. Yeah. And, and seeing everything from Johnny's point of view and everything that he's had to deal with and how he interprets the events that happened in that first movie right. is is a very fun exercise to watch. I can't, I'm totally blanking on his name uh, that played Johnny. Uh, I can't remember. Too. I, I, I've is, seen it a few times. Like, oh, is, yeah, that's is his Zob- name. Is it Zobrist or is that the, the, uh, the no, master? that sounds uh, right. Uh, he uh, essentially retired from acting for like 20 years to raise his kids. And uh, that was something that Kevin Smith brought up, and he's just like, "Yeah, that's that's amazing that you felt comfortable enough to to step away from a career that you were kind of at the peak of to raise your family." And you know, it's... and he, in, he embodies this down on his luck Johnny so well, and him wrestling with what Cobra Kai was and should become, but still, it needs to be the kick-ass thing that don't accept no pussies. It's 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 a it's it's a neat complex character that is woven over the course of these seasons. Very cool, and even more so with uh, Ralph Macchio's character. So I, I can't. If you love the originals, I can't recommend it enough. If you've never seen the Karate Kid or never did much for you, I'm, I don't know how much you'd take to this, frankly. But I've been loving it, and I look forward to the third season. Nice. Anything else, gentlemen, or we'll get into some news. I'm trying to remember, and I I can't remember what I may have done. It's kind of you know I did have a I did have a weird week, so yeah, 
it was just a lot of uh, a lot of sleeping late and not feeling good and stuff like that so i get that getting out of bed is hard some of these days no doubt about yeah. it yep i did finally finish ghost of tsushima on the playstation uh-huh uh that was a nice journey what, what was wa- the title again ghost of tsushima because i thought you said i thought you said toshiba and i was like ghost of toshiba i'm not saying it right surprise to everyone tsushima okay because <laughs> i was like wait what? ghost of, Tush- of toshiba which is <laughs> my television um it's it's a really enjoyable open world game that does not overstay its welcome the, oh, good. the story is compelling enough that I was like, even when I was like, you know what? I'm done with the side stuff. I've, I've enjoyed enough. I'm just going to concentrate on the main story stuff. And that was more than enough to pull me through because I did want to see what happened with these characters. Even the side quests that were little side character quests in this game. I was like, yeah, I want to see how this character's arc ends. So I, I did complete pretty much the whole game except for doing some little busy work stuff and finding flags uh worthwhile really? if if the if the japanese samurai history uh rashomon kind of story appeals to you uh i i can't recommend it enough it's good nice and it's it's neat because it does have kind of that that action style that something like uh, uh the batman arkham series has in that fighting style mm-hmm. or or which everyone else aped because even yeah, Assassin's the, Creed became that style eventually. The block, and, uh, right. punch, counter, yeah, that yeah. whole. So it does yeah. have that to it. But when you're fighting a boss, it's very much kind of a Mortal Kombat kind of thing where it's you have two life bars and you're going to, only one of you is going to finish this thing. And hmm. So it's, it's, I like that they differentiated those kind of battles. But, uh, good story i recommend it cool well you know what we, we got plenty of news to get to so let's go ahead yeah. and go ahead hit it news you don't give a shit about yay i think that's the earliest we've hit this in like a year see what happens well, when andy's not lot, here there's a lot that's happened over the last week <laughs> this so. is true and we're yeah. just we're just boring people when you get down to it right well, well we don't we don't want to make some people laugh because it's gonna hurt them oh i know god joy is painful <laughs> Like cracked a rib this week. That's why they're they're. That's okay. That. Jeff cracked a rib, fixing his toilet. Uh, yeah, leaning over. Yeah, they- yeah, leaning over something that should not have even possibly remotely injured me, and it wasn't like an impact. If it was like an impact wound, I could totally understand it. But I was just literally reaching across, you know, not really putting my whole body weight uh, against the the toilet as I was doing some minor repair and pop. Oh, that's awesome! So we're we're really glad Andy isn't here because Jeff can't handle the funny. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah we, no. So we got a not, no laughs. It yeah. does it does hurt to laugh. Yes, no laughs. <laughs> no, no funny. It doesn't hurt to laugh at him a little bit, but no. Yeah, uh, Todd and I are fine. <laughs> we're it's, kind of enjoying ourselves. It's funny I t- when I was telling Kirsten about that earlier, and he's like, "We're just getting old." He's like, "We're just waiting for the day where you fart and you break a bone." <laughs> and he's like. Uh, oh, oh. oh, my pelvis. Yep. My pelvis. Because you know it's coming. <laughs> it's not all that's coming in that it's moment. It's a lot, <laughs> lot closer around the corner than we think. That's right. When At that point when you have to endure sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't give a shit about 
Amazon is scrapping plans to adapt Ian M. Banks' culture series, which would have started with the sci-fi book Consider Phlebas. Uh, Dennis Kelly, who was leading the adaptation for Amazon, said that the work has stopped on the project. Quote, in the end, I just think the estate didn't want to go through with it. It wasn't the material, Kelly explained. It was just because I think they weren't ready to do it for whatever reason. I'm a little mystified myself, to be honest. Unquote. Uh, the bank's estate, the author died of cancer in 2013, uh, said that, no, quote, the timing wasn't right, unquote. So it was the estate basically just shutting it down somehow. Hmm. Uh, but that's all the reasoning they gave. Uh, no word on whether this means Amazon will transfer the rights elsewhere, hold on to them till the timing's right, or sit on the project, who knows. But for now, the Culture Series, which I, after reading, because we read it in the Geek Shock Book Club, yeah, and I did really enjoy it. Uh, we're kind of sad to not see it. So, and there's a lot of books in that series. Yes, like what, fourteen or something like that. And those are bullet stoppers too. Yeah, he yeah. didn't write short books. So, I'm sad to see this one go. But, uh, well, maybe, such like is, you said, maybe one day the time will be right. Such is the life of licensed material. Indeed. Next up, it doesn't go in the good. It doesn't go in the bad. It goes into the purgatorio. Oh, we're moving on to that already. Right? There was only one. And that's, that, that was it for the news you don't give a shit about. Mm. But this one, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. who could, knows? Could mm. go either way. Right? Your mileage may vary. Mm. Right? I will say based on history, maybe not. But they've fooled us and, and surprised us before. Oh. Uh, Disney has hired Katie Dippold to write a script for a film based on the Haunted Mansion ride. Ah. Eddie Murphy starred in an earlier film, but that horror comedy was panned by critics back in 2003. Following that, the studio tried to recruit Guillermo del Toro to work on the adaptation. I remember mm-hmm. I got excited about yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That was and exciting. It, right? That, man, that man's, one of his rooms in his home is dedicated to the Haunted Mansion. Yes. I would have still loved to have seen his take on yeah. the Haunted Mansion. Uh, but now he's working on Pinocchio, so uh, and he's doesn't look like he's a part of this anymore. Uh, Disney briefly thought about doing animation, tried to develop a cartoon adaptation of it, uh, <laughs> but uh, nothing came of that. So Dippold, the writer, uh, she was a writer on Parks and Recreation before going on to write The Heat, uh, 2016's reboot of Ghostbusters, followed by the comedy Snatched. So obviously a lot of, that's the way they're leaning in this is the heavy comedy aspect. I mean, I don't know, but right. just based on that criteria. Well, she's a good writer. I, I still wonder what she thinks about the end product of the Ghostbusters reboot, considering so much of the material she wrote did not end up on screen. Yeah. That's That's got to be rough. When yeah, you, yeah, it does. You, you turn in what you think is a, a great script, and you're looking forward to seeing it, and then the director takes it in a completely different direction. Sure. Uh, paychecks help, though. That's true. That's true. Gotta eat. Gotta eat. Yeah. Got, damn right. This is true. Hollywood is fickle. Get it while you can. Very yes. fickle. Hollywood is pickle. You gotta eat. And that leads us to Weekend Geek. Wow. Just knock those shits right out. What's going on? It's, it, there's probably a shitload of Weekend Geek stuff to there, go through. You know what? We got a lot. Yeah. And, and who knows? We might even get to some red light, green light. That would make me very happy. Oh, boy. All right. I don't know if Jeff can take that. Uh, but first, before we, now that we've gotten the shit news out of the way, the purgatory yep. out of the way, Ooh. I do want to bring up that the Geek Shock Book Club, mm. uh, the poll has finished and has voted on 48 by James Herbert as the book for September. Herbert, 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 Herbert. Herbert. 
according to the book description on Amazon, uh, 48 explores a horrifying alternative end to the Second World War. In 1945, Hitler unleashed the blood death on Britain as his final act of vengeance. Those who died at once were the lucky ones. The really unfortunate took years. The survivors, people like me who had a blood group that kept us safe from the disease. Yeah, me. Were now targets for those who believed our blood could save them. I survived for three years. I lived alone, spending my days avoiding the fascist black shirts who wanted my blood for their dying leader. Then I met the others, and life got complicated all over again. So yes, James Herbert's apocalyptic tale set in 1948 of a disease-ravaged England. So uh, topical. Yeah. I, I will say half, I've been wanting to read a James Herbert book for years, and I keep forgetting he existed. Uh, he's, he's early, he was known as the British Stephen King. Very okay. prolific and mm. worked almost exclusively in horror. Mm. And so I just, for some reason, just... You know, squirrel and I never read one of his books. Mm, right. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy that we are reading this. I know this has been suggested multiple times to the the book club. So I, I'm I'm very happy about this choice. But but we had so many good choices this round. Frankly, I would have been happy with any of them. I'm disappointed. Why? I just realized James Herbert's not Frank Herbert. You're, <laughs> yes, you're you're very correct. Yeah. They are very different yeah. continents. Yeah. I was excited. Now I'm sort of like, eh. <laughs> eh. Poor Kirsten. Yeah. I know. Life's rough. Right. It is. Although I think I would have rather read rat, The Rats. That would have been about The Rats? Me. Yeah. Horror book about rats terrorizing people. Oh. Tony, it's a fucking rat. <laughs> I forgot what I voted for. Probably Heinlein, Steve, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, Steve doing that again? Dude, he for the nomination, he nominated nine different Heinlein books. <laughs> He's got your number. Oh, Steve, I love you, dude. Wow, nine? So he must have like, dipped into Rolling Stones and... Yeah, yeah, he um, went deep. <laughs> he, have spacesuit, will deep. travel and... <laughs> but like 14 by Peter Kleins was in there. There's a whole, a whole bunch of really good ones in there. So, but either, either way, that was a, no, no, no. this is, this is the pick for this month. So we will open up discussions on the eighth and, uh, I'm trying to get my reading chops back, back in. I'm trying to get back into it. Like I said, the earlier episode, it's been rough, but right. I'm going to try to buckle down and get this one read. Yeah. So week in geek. Uh, this, uh, I mean, this was going to vary on how much you like Doctor Who. Uh-oh. BBC Studios is kicking off Doctor Who, Time Lord Victorious. Oh, yeah. A 12-week multi-platform narrative that spans across comics, books, audio dramas, CD, vinyl, toys, and games. Fans don't need to consume every offering from Time Lord Victorious to have fun with it. Those that do, however, will have common threads and connections between the stories. Quote, every single title has been designed to be standalone so that every story, no matter what medium you pick it up in, has a beginning, a middle, and an end, producer James Goss explains. Every single strand is self-contained, but together they weave a quilt, unquote. The event tells a story of a time in the 10th Doctor's life when he believes he is the Time Lord Victorious, meaning that he was the 
winner of the last great time war. He goes back to the dark times at the start of the universe when even the time lords where the, even the time lords don't go. He takes on death and wins, which of course has terrible consequences. This draws on the eighth and ninth doctors as well as companion Rose Tyler on an epic adventure through time and space to save the doctor's home planet of Gallifrey. Is that I'm saying that right? Gallifrey. Gallifrey, and set things right. Uh, it kicks off September 2nd in the U.S. and Canada with Titan Comics launching the first two oversized comic books. Then BBC Books will publish two novels, The Night, The Fool, and The Dead by Steve Cole on October 1st. In this one, the Tenth Doctor confronts beings that dispense mort- mortality. And All Flesh is Grass by Una McCormick on December 10th, in which the Tenth Doctor's plan to end death and bring life to the universe begins to unravel. Uh, the project will also unveil collectibles from Eagle Moss Hero Collector, audio dramas from Big Finish, many of which are uh, which star Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor, a digital download from Big Finish consisting of two separate adventures starring McGann and David Tennant, and a new story from the BBC Audio and Demon Records later this year. Wow. A full global lineup with all the details is available at the uh, Doctor Who TV website. Goodness. In addition to the offerings that have been publicized, Goss promises there's more on the way. Quote, the gaming aspects have not yet been announced. Some of the digital aspects have not, have not been brought forward either, but they're going to be great, unquote. Uh, Doctor Who, Time Lord Victorious, launches in the U.S. and Canada September 2nd, 2020. I like the Doctor crossovers. Those yeah. are fun. Right. Absolutely. I, I, I love that just it's making this multimedia event and mm. you can get as involved in it as you will. Yeah. And uh, and now that I see that HBO Max does have the Doctor Who, it's it's kind of saying, hey, you want to try me out again? So I'm I'm tempted. Uh oh. Well, I mean, you know, your mileage may vary because this is coming for somebody who really enjoyed it when he was watching it. I just stopped yeah. watching it eventually. Like he does everything. Jeff. Squirrel. Right. Exactly. Book. Yep. I mean, I mean, I've liked all the modern era doctor portrayals, the different actors and now actress. Um, a lot of people didn't like um, Capaldi. The, yeah, Capaldi. That's the one that kind of said, maybe I want to get back into it just for him because I, I want to curmudgeon yeah. the doctor. Yeah, where yeah. he's just kind of over everything, you know. Yeah. It's just like it's like I'm tired of doing this, blah blah blah. I I liked it. I like Capaldi, and Capaldi has some really choice episodes where he's you know i mean i showed you a clip of the right the the one that was just you know pretty powerful but uh but yeah you know it like i said you know you're not required to like everything about doctor who and still like the overall idea of the show the show slash character slash story i i will say uh especially during the Eccleston time, mm-hmm. uh, the tone varies wildly. Yes. Whereas you'll have one that's like, whoa, that's kind of like a, a serious concept they're they're tackling. And then it's like, oh, those are flat, fart cloud monsters. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I'm sure that had something to do with why Eccleston left too. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Probably you got to blame that on me because they were trying to bring me in to, uh, to watch it. With the farts? Yeah. Yeah, it does. If they were like cursed in fart cloud monsters and I was like, I don't know. And Eccleston was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. But you watched the Fart Cloud episode of Rick and Morty, didn't you? That's Rick and Morty, yeah. Jeff. Oh, and I okay. don't, you know, I don't. <laughs> and Eccleston went on to star in uh, as a character in Heroes, so he did right. fine. Yeah, he did just fine. He's doing all right. And, yeah. and the most forgettable villain in the Marvel oh, Cinematic oh, Universe. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> wow. I in, love Eccleston. He was yes. in that series, The Leftovers, on HBO. I, that was apparently. Uh, I didn't. I never got to watch it. I mean, I just. I think I. Right. That, that was I about. Got that was about a sandwich late. company, right? No. Oh. <laughs> it's about where restaurants giving homeless people. Food. I guess. I think so. I think, yeah. You know. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yes. Touching. It's Especially very in, in these times. It's very end of Infinity War, where like suddenly half the population just dip- disappears and nobody knows why. Right. It's 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 a whole thing. It's it's yeah. it's the rapture. It, it, it is, but it's it is semi rapture. Yeah. Right. It's the rapture without being Christian. Yeah. Supposedly yeah. it comes. <laughs> they they discover there was yeah. a technolo- technological reason behind it. And, oh. Yeah. I. Oh, you know, Todd spoiler. hates it when you mix technology with his magic. Ah. Or is it magic with your technology? I forget. But Paul loves it. Well, Paul it's like sticking is, your dick in the peanut butter. That's why Paul's Paul like, loves oh, it. Oh, he man. Oh, he man. Netflix has made a low seven-figure commitment for rights to the Matt Query short story. My wife and I bought a ranch. And you get me the the wheat bread for the peanut butter on my dick. It's not a bad Ludmilla. I know. And you know how many shock monkeys I just made very happy. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Somebody's and, squealing somewhere. Or, or green with illness. <laughs> well, yeah, there there are more who were upset, <laughs> but there were some who got a little excited. <laughs> so anyway, you were saying? What, yes, the show's called My Wife and I Bought a Ranch. And scripting. Give me ranch for I can rub it on my tits, would you please? And the with com- Andy. And the commitment includes Andy. Uh, scripting fees for the author's brother Harrison Query to write the screenplay. The story currently appears in six parts on Reddit. This is this is where it came to be. And speaking of six parts, there's six parts of my belly. I'm going to put ranch in all of them. Sometimes I miss Paul. This is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it involves a couple, Harry and Sasha, who find their dream house in a ranch in Idaho. He's a soldier getting back to life, and they hid what they can, and which... Oh, oh, they bid what they could. They, they bid. <laughs> I was like, they, this this suddenly got interesting. <laughs> wow. It's like, they, ooh, are they doomsday preppers? <laughs> 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 they bid what they can, uh, which is a lowball offer. Uh, they get the ranch, and they find they are not alone. Soon they meet their neighbors, who inform them that there is a malevolent spirit in the valley, one that manifests itself by coming to the house in the same manner at the start of each season. There are certain steps that must be followed to keep the spirit out of their house, and the tension and violence grows with each gory ritual as the duel between the spirits and the and the couple become personal. Hmm. I don't know. I don't read it. Yeah. Duel between the spirits and the couple becomes personal. Personal. It's not enough that they're spirits. Right. They- uh- I don't know. Maybe he took a shit in wife's mouth. I don't know. <laughs> this wow. time it's personal. All right. I don't want anybody complaining about Ludmilla in this episode, folks. Well, that's pretty goddamn personal. <laughs> I would take it personally. I, it was not something you I could just it? shrug off. Take it. Yeah. Want to like, get personal with like, you, Torgo? Oh, uh, uh, you got me. Wipe, wipe, wipe. No, that's not how I'd respond. Is that how he responded, Jeff? I don't know. <laughs> Jeff pleads the fifth. <laughs> Uh, anybody got any Rick and Morty episodes send them to me I'm behind (laughs) 
Uh, okay, let's let's get to the real sad news of the week. Chad, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Oh my god, died yeah. at the age of forty-three. The actor, famous for his portrayal of Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, passed away due to colon cancer, which ha- he had been battling privately for the previous four years. A statement by the family pointed out that the various films over the years, from the Marvel movies to this year's The Five Bloods, were all filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy. His first acting gig would be an episode of the 2003 series Third Watch, and later he would go on to guest star in episodes of CSI, uh, the New York One Law and Order, and ER. And his uh, first feature role would be the uh, Syracuse football player Ernie Davis in the 2008 movie The Express, and this would lead to him playing several black icons from Jackie Robinson in 42 to James Brown in Get On Up. Bozeman would later join the cinematic uh, Marvel Universe as the Black Panther in 2016's Captain America Civil War, later returning to the role two years later in Black Panther. To date, it is one of the highest grossing solo MCU films and the only film in the entire franchise to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, that that was that was a tough one. Wow. Uh, still is. I mean I was I was watching baseball on Friday and uh that's how bored you were no no i wasn't bored i was intentionally watching a baseball game and it was jackie robinson day oh okay and that's a day that they they set aside one day uh uh, the same day every year in the baseball season where the entire league wears the number 42 which was jackie robinson's number and that was such a weird set of circumstances too because they were talking about the movie or about the movie with chadwick boseman in it and this is a couple of hours before the announcement and they broke into the game. Uh, they, they paused the game uh, and the, you know, the, the, the Kansas city people that were covering, cause I was watching the Kansas city feed uh, said, uh, we have some very sad breaking news right now. And so we were just talking about the movie earlier. And then they announced that Chad McBoseman had passed away. And, and I was just like, wait, what? And that's when I sent out the the group text to, you, to to the guys. I was just like, "You guys!" I was just like, "I can't." I I I was in such shock. I couldn't believe that I was here. And I mean, like, on Jackie Robinson Day of all days, and then you know, that's all. It was also the anniversary of the Martin Luther King speech. You know, the "I Have a Dream" speech, one of the more famous ones. But uh, his portrayal in Forty Two is amazing. Um, apparently, Robinson's family said that was you know, so close to the, you know, the man that they knew. And um, I really enjoyed the movie because I, I love things about baseball history. Yeah. I I mean, the same. And seeing that movie, you know, and he did such a fantastic job in that movie and not even just that movie. I mean, he was in get on up. He did a really great job of portraying James Brown and uh, Marshall playing Thurgood Marshall. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, for his short time in the acting biz, he really put in some amazing quality performances. So when that when that happened, I just I I I literally shed a tear, and I was like, I've never met this man, but I felt but, so but you were horrible t- touched yeah. by him and his work. Yeah, and I also felt so horrible too because the Black Panther movie was such a groundbreaking turn for not just for Marvel but for for cinema, frankly. Cinema, you know, they had we had a, a, the first 
true black superhero in the most successful movie Marvel has ever had, not to mention in the box office history. And for him to embody that character, you know, in just a couple more films and then suddenly he's just gone. I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm taking it hard. I can't imagine how the African-American community is, is, is taking it because here was this hero and, and this guy was a genuine hero outside of the cinema. I, I, I found out that while he was getting treatment for cancer, he was going and visiting cancer patients in different hospitals, especially cancer kids, and you know, taking them toys, taking pictures, bringing screenings of the film, and I just like, and that broke my heart because there's nothing, there's nothing sadder than watching a you know a child die of cancer, and just it's 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 soul crushing, but you know the fact that while he's going through this really life altering event, he's performing on screen. He's going out into the community. I mean, that that just shows a kind of strength that I can't even put into words. Surgery is chemo, imagine it. and yeah. he's making movies. I mean, we know? that's talk about heroic. Todd and I had a mutual friend that was a cancer survivor, and you know, we worked with him. And he would come into work after chemo, and you could just see what it took out of him, and you know. Mm-hmm the kind of strength that he displayed and then, you know, Chadwick Boseman doing this and never giving any indication until the very end yeah. that there was something wrong. That was amazing. Yeah, there was actually, uh, I heard that there was some, I don't know how intense it was because some people have spoken about it uh, with with the usual internet kind of uh, hyper reaction. But apparently there was a little bit of trolling going on about his appearance towards the end because he was really looking gaunt. Yeah. And uh, there were some comments about that. And then there were fans who were concerned and also people wondering if he was like getting ready for a new role or something. I, I was one of the ones wondering if he was just getting ready for a role because um, after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, there was this um, thing on HBO uh, that was put on by LeBron James where he had... Uh, black actors and uh, black sports figures and they had the setting was in a barbershop and they're all talking about their lives and you know what the different things that they do mean to them and Chadwick Boseman was on this episode Um, so there's Patrick Mahomes for the the quarterback for the Chiefs and um, Chadwick Boseman and I'm I'm forgetting for the life me who was in the the rest of the episode with uh, LeBron James, but those two captivated me so much talking about their lives. And Bozeman looked very thin, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh, he's a really amazing actor. He's probably just prepping for a role. Because he did look kind of thin and frail, but again, I just took it as part of the you know, prep that, the amazing, that somebody of his talent would do. The amazing story. Did, uh, the, did you read about <clears throat> the thing with... Uh, Denzel Washington? Yes. That was amazing. It was just incredible. No, tell, it, tell it for those who haven't yeah, heard. Apparently for years, uh, Bozeman kept as a secret that there was this uh, celebrity thing of supporting up-and-coming, uh, up-and-coming people, uh, like through educational you know, stuff and stuff like that, and paying for education and yeah, things. Yeah, it was a program where they were sending... Uh, 
U.S. college students to to Oxford for a, it was like a film and um, theater program. Right. And uh, Denzel Washington participated in it and uh, paid for Bozeman's time at Oxford. Wow. And Bozeman actually kept that quiet yeah. for the longest time. He told the story um, when he inducted uh, Denzel Washington into the, the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, where he's he's starting to look a little gaunt. He's starting yeah. to look a little thin when I was in there. And then I also, they queued up... Uh, Denzel talking about it, which is actually kind of funny, because in Denzel humor, he uh, he'd meet meet Bozeman at like a premiere, and you know Bozeman, thank you so much for it. It was really important to me, and you really help. And Denzel's like, I'm not here to see the movie. Where's my money? Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm here to get my money back. I just <laughs> cracked me up. So, but it was uh, it was really really very. Uh, that was an amazing story to hear. Um, that and uh, just you know you know the other uh, thing that it's funny that a lot of people are not have have not really mentioned uh, August twenty eighth. It's also Kirby's birthday. Mm. I did see a little mention of that because they somebody posted a Kirby cover and right. Said a lot of people Kirby would have been proud. A lot of people have been doing uh, Stan Lee and. Chadwick Boseman uh, in heaven sure. pictures, but uh, Kirby was really the force behind creating Black Panther and making Black Panther. And <clears throat> that uh, that day was really was really something else. It, it was yeah. I I was devastated by the news because it was entirely too uh, young. Yeah, and this guy. Uh, was achieving so much and was just, I mean, in many ways you could say he was just, just getting starting. started. He hadn't hit his apex. No. He wasn't, He wasn't. you know, at the at the top of his bell curve of, you know, life. No, no. He, he was on the way up, and, and that just was devastating. And he was such a great T'Challa, um, did such a wonderful job with that part. Uh, Black Panther was one of my favorite heroes when I was a kid, and his work in it was just so wonderful and it's yeah same token what an amazing legacy to leave though yes i mean i only mentioned you know three or i guess four of the movies that he was in but you know the 21 bridges was got great reviews the five bloods i still haven't seen that yet i'm ready to watch that was was just thoroughly enjoyed by the critics which is not done easily no. these days i mean critics are i think even more hard to please than they were when we were kids sure but uh you know i mean and he still has other movies that are on the way out that you know he'd already been in so yeah it's a, a too young to have such an amazing legacy and have to have that be all we're going to get. Yeah. And we also lost Joe Ruby this week. Uh, yeah. A little quieter along this line. That's a animator, writer, who, along with his creative partner, Ken Spears, created Scooby-Doo. Yep. He died at the age of 87. Uh, Ruby got his start at Walt Disney Studios as an animator. He then started working for Hanna-Barbera on the side, uh, working with legendary animator, uh, oh boy, uh, I, uh, Wyo uh, Takamoto, that one I got. 
uh, Ruby and Spears created Scooby-Doo and the rest of the iconic mystery gang. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? premiered in 1969, ran for 41 episodes across three seasons. Ruby and Spears wrote the first five episodes, overseeing the story and editing for the rest of the debut season. Following their success with Mystery, Inc., uh, Ruby and Spears delivered even more characters. Dino Mutt, uh, Blue Falcon, Jabberjaw, the Neptunes, Josie and the Pussycats, Captain Caveman, Dee Dee Sykes. The duo eventually left Hanna-Barbera to strike out on their own through the 70s and early 80s. They created and or produced shows such as The Barkleys, Fang Face, The Hound Cats, Thundar the Barbarian, Yay. Mr. T, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Superman, Saturday Supercade, and the Plastic Man Comedy Adventure Hour. Even after his company was bought out, Ruby continued to work as a producer and animated programming like Police Academy, the animated series. Oh, I forgot about that one. Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos, Laser Tag Academy, Centurions, Mega Man, Punky Brewster, and Paul's favorite, Rambo. I absolutely loved the Blue Falcon and Dynamut series. Uh, that those... And even when they crossed over with Scooby Doo, I just Scooby Doo, I just love those episodes. So they created. So basically, Ruby Spears, they were the potheads of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Hanna Barbera then. Zoinks. So, right. There was yeah. there was another one you mentioned in there, and I'm like blanking out. That was Thundar. That, that you Police Academy, the animated series. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to find it in this list? Oh God. Yeah, Mr. T. That was the one. No. Yeah, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Mr. Can't no. believe they created Mr. T. I always thought he was. A real dude. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, what the hell? Uh, Thundar the Barbarian? That one? No. Well, he, he, I, del- I did like that one. Josie and the Pussycats. That's no. the one he wanted. That's, Captain Caveman. That's the one. Uh, Neptune's Jabberjaw. Captain Caveman was my dad's favorite. My dad would get up some Saturday mornings and watch that with me when I was really little. Just absolutely love Captain Caveman. That's how you got the bruises. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked his rib. Yeah. yeah. No. Captain Caveman. <laughs> I meant to keep that in my memory when you went past. Did it I open you... something up? Did I open oh, it up? No, 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 no. Oh, like no. the one I'm thinking of that you just oh, went through the list, oh, okay. and I just I, the I... Hound Cats, no Fang Face, Barclays, no. Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. I know no, it was towards the beginning of your list. Okay, uh, Jabberjaw, no Neptune's, no Chosen the Pussycats, no Captain Caveman, no Dee Dee Sykes, no um, Barclays, Hound no. Cats, no Alvin the Chipmunks, no Superman. Saturday Supercade. Uh, I've named them gonna, all now. No, you have it. The it's Plastic Man comedy. Plastic adventure. Man, yes. <laughs> God damn it. That's at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun show. I loved Plastic Man. <laughs> it was just so silly. It was so ridiculous. All the things he would turn himself into. <laughs> Ugh. My old brain. No, I love your old brain. Pain and brain... Distracted by pain and things. brain. Yep. <laughs> there you go. No pain, no brain. Congratulations, Jeff. You named the episode. Uh, I only get one about a year, one per year. Yeah, just like you never win things like that cup. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that in a long time. <laughs> After I won that trophy, I was like, oh, I guess I can't say that anymore. Ever again. Ever. <laughs> CBS will air season one of Star Trek Discovery on the network. 
Uh, the network is doing this to reorganize its fall schedule because of many of its regular scripted shows won't be ready to air new episodes until November. The, so the first full season of Star Trek Discovery will air on starting Thursday, September 24th. So there you go. If you didn't want to check out CBS All Access and pay for that, it's coming to you for free. Yeah, commercial, commercial laden, but free. All the networks are scrambling to figure out what to do for the fall because... Normally they'd already be in production, and some of them are. Some of them are going to start towards the end of this month, but many productions aren't going to start until October, November. Which you know, I know it's still a month away, but they're still trying to figure a lot of things out. You know, I do have a concern that just hit me. Mm. These are hour-long episodes, right? Yeah. So what do they have to cut out to put in the commercials? Uh, well, actually, I've ta- I, I take that back. I believe there are forty. No like 45 minute episodes oh, so i don't think they're gonna have to cut no, anything out because yeah that's that's one of the i think because the way cbs all access you know or the entry level um tier is advertisement heavy so they've already worked the ads into that it's only if you get the um the ad free tier where it's you know 40 uh. 42 to 44 minutes, I think, something like that long. So it's it's made with commercial breaks built in. So fair, they, fair enough. But there are material, you know, they, there's language and other stuff there's probably going to have to take out. A little more risky. Keep fucking, yeah. Keep, keep those fucks in there, man. Keep I, I keep think they should, fucking. but... Keep those shit and fucks in there. Keep those shit and fucks. Yeah. I'm not at the name of the episode that, though. No? I didn't say you had to. Damn it. Damn it. Kirsten did though. That that's that's Todd's corporate cowardice right there. See, Kirsten's <laughs> always trying to name the episode. I just say shit that it, it oh, winds up I'm being on the episode I'm title. Not trying. I'm not no, you know, you're confusing me with Andy. <laughs> All right. All right. So let me qualify that. But since Andy's been gone, Kirsten's always trying to name the I'm episode. I'm not trying to name the episodes. <laughs> Stop trying so hard, Kay. I just, I'll I'll say something that I'm like, that's a, that's a good episode name. And Todd won't even write it down. And I'll be like, fucker. <laughs> Andy's the one actively putting shit together in his brain and saying it. <laughs> that That's an interesting compliment. What? Putting shit into his brain. So you're saying he's a shit for brains. Okay, maybe not a compliment. <laughs> Somewhere Andy is screaming. <laughs> well, whatever he's, listening he's not to this screaming. If he, if he wants to defend himself, he can say it right now. Go ahead, Andy. I keep telling him. No, let Andy speak. Yeah. He had his chance. He had there his chance go. right there. There you go. So he decided to say nothing. That's right. Placeholder well, I mean, has spoken. Yeah, it's going to say placeholder, yeah. <laughs> now that Steve's really stick in his craw. Yeah. Uh, Firewatch, the critically acclaimed video game, will be adapted into a feature film by indie production house Snoot Entertainment. Uh, They did films of Blind Spotting and Little Monsters. And they're partnering with Campo Santo, the indie developers behind the 2016 video game. This isn't the first time a studio has tried to take on an adaptation of the single-player narrative. The Good Universe uh, company having previously worked on developing the film only to have the rights revert back to Campo, uh, Campo Santo when the production company was sold to Lionsgate. Uh, Firewatch is set in 1989, revolves around Henry, a fire lookout trying to escape his troubles as he explores the Wyoming wilderness on his own while facing tough personal choices and investing, investigating mystery, mysterious clues as to the strange occurrence 
all while keeping in touch with his supervisor, Delilah, over the walkie-talkie. Quote, Firewatch is a stunning accomplishment, a beautiful and heartbreaking piece of art, said producer Keith Calder in a statement, continuing... I'm delighted that Sean and Jake are letting us ruin their perfect video game by turning it into a movie and or TV show, unquote. It's unknown when Firewatch is expected to go into production. The game is currently available to play on the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Uh, Firewatch is one of those games that came out that some would call a walking simulator, uh, which I always felt was a really kind of stupid nomer for that kind of game minimizes what it actually is uh, right uh, what it is is an adventure game adventure games have always been around and yes they tend to be slower more follow the clues painstaking and so on minimizes uh, sure that, that's either way we got you we know what you're saying <laughs> Uh, Firewatch and Gone Home are the two games that are standouts of their genre from that time uh, they were both amazing surprises, and yes, they are both examples of where video games, without a doubt, elevated themselves into something grander, something more artistic. Um, both were, for me, were emotional experiences. Gone mm-hmm. Home, I thought it was going to be one thing, and it kind of touts itself that it's going to be one thing, and then turns and becomes something else, mm. and that something else is, becomes a beautiful story. Firewatch is a little more heartbreaking in that aspect, and it is very much about you inhabiting this character and learning not only about who the character that you're playing, who he is, but how he's dealing with this personal issue that he is dealing with that he's kind of running from and being this Firewatch lookout out in this national park and stumbling across a mystery within that park that uh, turns out to be pretty dark. Um, so if you haven't played Firewatch, it's, it is a slow burn of a game. It is an adventure game, uh, but it leads you through its story at a very good pace and has a fantastic denouement. So I, I can't recommend it enough, frankly. Denouement's so, working again? I thought that she had... Uh... I thought she was dead. Uh, well, ever since Facts of Life got canceled. Oh. oh I was going to say, next to the stage, Dana Wah. Dana Wah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you see where all of our minds go with this shit. Uh, each oh, one yeah. of us, a fine exemplar. Strip clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't going to be opening anytime soon. Oh, so. don't make me more sad. Uh, Firewatch. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm curious as to how they're going to make a movie out of it. Because it is such a specific experience that I'm not sure watching someone else go through that, whereas you're experiencing it in a first-person aspect, I think it's going to lose something to that. It it, it is one of those things that there is a story there. You Mm -hmm. can certainly tell a movie out of it. Sure. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be anywhere near what the impact of actually playing through it would be. You think it's going to be kind of... Presented in the way, well, I mean, you know, it's too early to to really say, I guess, but could they present it in that um, style where you're following the main character, but through his inner monologues, you know, you kind of get where he's... No, because it's not, frankly, it's, I don't remember there being an inner monologue in it. You are... Well, I mean, but like modifying the things that you know, you learn about him through the story and... Right, but the story that was told, everything you need to learn about that character, mm-hmm. you kind of learn from his walkie-talkie talk with Delilah, who's okay. in another tower way far away. They never see each other. 
and that's his, his only contact sure. to the outside world in any way. So the, the, the game relies on a very specific kind of pacing sure. of, of, of varying lulls, moments of beauty, and moments of tragedy. And getting to those ebbs is, is very much like following an ocean current. Not to mention you're trying to compress down to, you know, say two hours. Sure. Something that's what, at least 10, I'm guessing 10 to 15 hours of gameplay, maybe? I don't even think it's that. I think you don't it's, think it's that long? I think it's six to eight maximum, six if I remember eight? right. Okay. It's not a it's long still... experience. Gone Home, I think, was like a two to three hour experience tops. That's still a lot of exposition to have to compress down. Sure. And, and a lot of that is exploration and right. your surroundings and really putting you in that place of being in this national park and alone. Hmm. So it's so those of you that played Firewatch, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's an amazing thing. So I'm curious as to I, I'll watch this movie because I want to see how it translates. Good luck, good luck, Snoot Entertainment. Snoot, you you know it's trustworthy when it's a Snoot. Dan Harmon has signed a deal with Fox Entertainment that includes a new animated show from the Rick and Morty creator. Harmon, who also created Community on NBC, will develop the series, which is eyeing a spring of 2022 premiere. No details on what the show uh, the show will... I'm going to read this sentence that I wrote. Okay. Okay, as I wrote it. There are... I, I don't drink. How did this happen? There are no details on the shoe win development. Okay. And shoe is spelled S H O O. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, and now let's begin well, the let next Let me see show. if I can speak Targo. The show that is in development. Uh, the, yeah, no details on the show. That's wow. in development. Uh, which, 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 which is a shoe win, obviously. Ah. Shoe fly. Fox's current lineup of original animated program is made up of Simpsons, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, Bless the Hearts, and Duncanville. Uh, two more, Housebroken and The Great North, are joining as well. Duncanville? Duncanville. He's got a show? Apparently. Yes. Well, I, that that little shit can start paying some rent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll do one more story, and then we'll do some uh, Red Light Greenland, all right? So let's do uh, The Ren and Stimpy Show. This came out a while, this announcement came out a while back, but we're finally talking about it. Uh, Ren and Stimpy Show, animated series from John Crick. Felucci? Yeah, Chris Felucci. Chris Felucci. Thank I you. Ju- I just found that out recently. Chris Felucci is how it's pronounced. Fantastic. I'm glad you did the research that I didn't do. And the show ran from 1991 to 96. It's coming back to TV. The series will be getting a reimagining at Comedy Central. Uh, this follows news last month that the other Viacom CBS cult animated hits from the past, uh, Clone High and Beavis and Butthead, would be coming back as well. Uh, these moves all come as the company revitalizes its adult animation division, hiring Grant Gish, that's Bob's Burgers, and upcoming Modoc. He's uh, heading up those. Uh, and so now he's heading up Ren and Stimpy. Uh, Ren and Stimpy's musical catchiness, the uh, conflicting and disturbing art styles and gross-out humor didn't just appeal to kids and adults alike. It was highly impactful on the future of animated comedy. However, the new Ren and Stimpy is coming without its original creator as Chris Felucci (laughs) has weathered intense sexual misconduct allegations in the last few years. Mm. Uh, Not only will the original creator have no input on the series, he will also reportedly not benefit financially from the new series either. So kind of like with the second season of Ren and Stimpy moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Remember he got booted from that show. It was like it, the whole dynamic of the show changed after he left. So we'll see how this is. Yeah. Um, who knows? 
but which, hey. is, which of course is in no way a defense of any allegations that he's facing. All right. Well, you know what? I've been collecting these like Pokemon, so let's set them into battle. Let's do some red light, green light. Red light, green light. Such a fun game to play. Doesn't matter what you say. They're going to make this shit anyway. All right. I'm so glad to be doing these. I mean... I, I probably have eight pages of red light, green light. I didn't bring them really? with me. Oh, okay. Because I knew we wouldn't go through say, all of them. It well, looks like you only have night. two pages in your hand. Oh, that's shit, I, I forgot like... some. But no, that's that's just left on the word processor back home. Because, uh-huh. well, yeah, dude, we do a bank episode. <laughs> yes, the, the evergreen Kirsten. red light, green lights. Kirsten. <laughs> Kirsten pushing for bank episodes is one of Torgo's banes, folks, just no. so you know. But I, I still agree with the idea that we should do a bank episode of playing Super Fight. Yeah. That's, a, that's I think, a fine idea. And I'll, I'll break it out tonight. And we could, we could probably do something along those lines. Probably not tonight, though. Uh, see? See how he is? That's how I am. So no midnight text to Barry. No promises, apparently. It could happen at any moment. All right, gentlemen, here we go. We got some uh, new uh, pitches here on the desk. Let's see if we want to put a hard-earned cash for our development company behind these things that are going to be done. All right, red light, green light, gentlemen. Fox is developing an animated X-Files spoof. Executive produced by the original series creator Chris Carter and writer Gabe Rotter. It's called X-Files Albuquerque and has gotten a script and presentation order. The series will follow a different team of agents tackling the cases deemed too weird, obscure, or silly for Mulder and Scully. The series pilot comes from Paradise PD's Rocky Russo and Jeremy Sosenko. The animation is from Bento Box. This will be the first new X-Files fans have gotten since the revival seasons ended in 2018 and the first news they've had of it continuing in any form since Gillian Anderson announced she's done with the franchise around the same time. And no word on when or if this spinoff will enter production or who will voice the agents. So what do you think of the X-Files spoof X-Files Albuquerque? You know, I was tempted to just knee-jerk reaction, red light it, but then I thought about how the lower decks is actually uh, at least the the one episode that i've seen so far and how some people that i know are reacting to it i think it's got a shot at being something you know humorous but still entertaining so i'm i i kind of want to say green light all right right. i'm I'm interested in seeing where it goes sure let's go all right. i kind of had the first same reaction you did jeff uh especially when i realized that we haven't had a new X-Files since the 90s. And then I realized, no, we've had a few movies and a yeah. revitalizing of the series yeah. since that time. So I'm like... Two seasons of yeah, extension. Yeah, so I'm like, no, we've had plenty of X-Files in between this. Right. So uh, why not try something new with it? It's it's not like it's been sitting there rusty for a yeah. decade. It's, you know, it's, they've played with it already. Let's see what else they're doing with it. Yeah, and Chris Carter's involved, and you know, which is always a good sign. And and honestly, somebody made a, a great point about um, Star Trek when uh, defending the the idea of doing a lower decks is that as a comedy series is that some of the more entertaining episodes of Star Trek are the ones that have 
humor mixed in with it, even if it's not an entirely humorous episode. And some the exact same thing I think applies to X Files. Some of the more entertaining episodes that I recall from the X Files are the ones that have some humor mixed in with it, or you know. Sometimes they had completely outrageous episodes that were intended to be just ridiculously silly. So sure. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, well I'd love to. I'd love to well, see. You it. know what? Let me do this informal poll, and and uh, this might explain it all. All right. Which of the Star Trek movies is your favorite? Star Trek Four, Star Trek: The Voyage Home, or the one with the whales? Well, that's not fair. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've heard, it's funny that because the way you said that because uh, somebody else said what's your favorite Star Trek movie and why is it Star Trek 4 <laughs> <clears throat> alright so green light across the board on this and you're right my, my fir- you okay oh my goodness he's coughing and it hurts a lot I'm okay you alright I, I was just just had, re- to, just had to clear it out ready sure. for him to spit up blood sure no, God. It, it was getting vomity there. If that happened, I'd be out the door on the way to the ER so fast. Yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah, driving, driving to the ER, holding one hand, cupping the blood as right it comes now. out of his mouth. Yeah, Andy isn't here. Well, I mean, Andy's not here to drive yeah, exactly. me. Yeah, so. no. And and Todd and I have already established that precedent. We're gonna we're gonna sit there. God, somebody should do something about that. <laughs> Jeff, you okay? All right, all right. All right, he's, he's, all right. He's moved on to grab a little something. Yeah, he's moving on, he's folks. Moving on for good reason. Yeah, there you go. So it's the Torgo. It's the Master and Commander show. Oh, we're doing that again. There huh? we are. Yeah. All right. We're not running for president because we're not idiots. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to take votes away from Kanye West. Nope. Never. That's right. All right, gentlemen. Red light, green light. Yes. So this is kind of a two-parter. So, because Sci-Fi's picked up two new series. Two. Yes. The first one's called the Surrealtor. The, the what now? The Surrealtor. It follows Realtor Nick Roman and his elite team of specialists who go above and beyond to sell homes no one else can, wants to come near. The team works together to research, investigate, and fix up haunted and possessed homes. Can the team create closure and closings while trying to? <laughs> what? Are you sure that said sci-fi and not H and G or or freaking uh, TLC? That's your that's your title right there. <laughs> closure and closings. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck with this surrealtor? Oh, you must have been really impressed with yourself, Mister Whatever. Yeah, the team create closure and closings while trying to get a grasp on their own demons. The Surrealtor will be a 10-episode series co-produced by Sci-Fi and Blue Eyes Pictures, the company behind Netflix's spinning out in Sci-Fi's Vagrant Queen. So the upcoming series is executive produced by Lance Samuels and Daniel Iron, along with George Olson, who serves as showrunner. Uh, Yeah, this is a scripted series. This is not like a reality show. Ah, well, then, green light. Uh, I don't know. I'm totally cool with scripted series like described like that. I am, too, but at the same time, it just, I don't know, it doesn't sound interesting to me, to be honest. So, I'm, I'm a red light. I, I mean, you know, I'm a tentative green because I, I want them to film it in a specific way. I want it filmed like it's on HDTV. I, I want it done like it is a reality show, but scripted. Yes. 
So if, sure. if I, I don't want it to be you want it you you want it to be like a TLC yes. HGTV yes. style yes. exactly and and and, and fil- I'm so over those yeah film it like flipper fondle yeah film yeah. it like Ghost Hunters have decided to get into the realty business that's yeah. what I want there you go uh, so, but if they film it as you know workplace drama kind of no. thing I I kind of really lose interest fast. you want that guy in the hot blonde and they they you know. Right, o- overly excited for the camera, right? But dealing with the occasional supernatural <clears throat> thing that they know. have to fix before they fix the right. sink. She's yeah. she's like, I don't like the mirror that you know. It looks like I'm tearing my face off, and yes. he's like, I work so hard to put in this mirror. I it, this is killing me. And then every episode, when it's when they sell it, when it's on, she just tosses back her hair and goes, "This house is clear." <laughs> right to the camera. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Uh, I I accept this premise. Green light. Green. Uh, there you go. I, I I greened him. All right. Hello, Kit. <laughs> Kit's gets back rubbing his Kit, face Kit's, on the board. You know, one day he's gonna rub so much on the board he's gonna generate static, and he's, he's gonna kill down. an episode. <laughs> You're just going to sit there wanting to kill him, but also loving Kit. I would never want to kill you, Kit. You're a sweetheart. I love you so much. He's so weird. All right. The other part of this sci-fi togetherness is uh, sci-fi's partnering with partnering eh, with Cartel Entertainment to bring an ode to George Romero in Day of the Dead. A 10-episode series will tell the story of six strangers struggling to survive the first 24 hours of a zombie invasion. Romero's Living Dead films helped set the standard for Hollywood zombie films, beginning with 1968's Night of the Living Dead. His blend of macabre and satire helped turn him into more of a horror legend than he's remembered for today. Did I write that? (laughs) What the? He's more of a legend than he's remembered for. (laughs) I think I riffed on it a little bit. (laughs) Helped turn him into the horror legend he is remembered (laughs) for. Showrunners Jeff Elinoff and Scott Thomas will also write Day of the Dead. Cartel is behind another Romero adaptation creep show on Shudder. But where are they stuck? Uh, It doesn't say. I, I want them in a mall. Of course, that's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. If they're aping the actual Day of the Dead that takes place in an underground army bunker and Aww. science thing. But I, I'm hoping it isn't. I'm hoping Aww. if it's, it's, I'm interested in its own thing. I'm not interested in if they're remaking that place and style. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn because, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. But on the other hand, I'm also kind of over the whole zombie thing too. So it's but, like, uh, okay, okay, that's a tough one. Here we go. All right. Here's the twist. All right, give me a twist. It's a modern day mall, which means it's nobody's there. It's closed down. Oh, okay. You know the roof has fallen in. There, the, there's trees growing in the uh, food court. The yeah, I was going to say that the, the food court is not stocked full of food yeah, for them exactly. to live on there you for go. months. See, see, you guys are liking that, aren't you? I see you lighten up a bit oh, there, I, Jeff. I, I thought the pitch was the zombies go there and no one cares because no one's there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just 22 minutes of <laughs> and just walking around <laughs> the ceiling tile falls down hits one of them and they're like <laughs> walking behind the sabaro counter <laughs> dragging which is old a cheese lot, which would be a lot like modern day sabaro <laughs> and you got that one zombie Ooh, who sick burn kind of remembers what it's like to be human so he's standing at the the ray ban 
kiosk, putting on glasses, <laughs> looking at himself in the mirror. But still, the zombies are all ignoring those uh, phone case kiosks in the middle. So it's it's it's, it's true to life. It's true to life. <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh my God. Why aren't we in Hollywood, guys? <laughs> uh, I will say I'm a little more uh, warm to it because of the uh, cartel company. Because uh, the, mm. the creep show on Shudder is the right. best thing on Shudder. Mm. Right. Uh, mm. And and frankly, probably better than they deserve. It's really, mm. really good. So Wow. That's after, high praise indeed. Better a, than they deserve. After after that, uh, I'm willing to see what else Cartel's willing to do with, uh, with this property. But, mm. but otherwise, I'm kind of with you, Jeff, and this is somebody who is a huge zombie fan. Right. Whose who's favorite book for like 10 years was Brian Keene's The Rising. Yeah. Because it yeah. dared to do with zombies what the other things never dared to do. What this, what's that? And that, well, it, this is before The Walking Dead and all that. Oh, so, I see. So it, it told a, a really hardcore zombie novel that really pulled no punches. Mm. And... Mm. And the best, and the, frankly, has been blamed for the reigniting of the zombies genre. Oh, that or blamed bastard. by some. So you are gonna greenlight it? Then? I think so. I, th- right. I, th- I think it's the cartel thing that pushes it over the top for me. I, I'm guessing I'll greenlight too. Then <laughs> I'm just, I'm so torn. I'm so torn. I get it. Because I mean, I get it. Especially like with such heavy doses of The Walking Dead for so long, and then just the show that had no sense of changing. I can't believe the show is still on, to be perfectly honest with you. I can't believe they're still producing it pulls enough. It pulls good numbers, not yeah. what it used to, but it's still no. really good numbers. Uh, okay, you know what? I might have to change my answer. What? I know. I might have to change a mind because this was red light, green light. I have to make I have to make these decisions on a financial level for this company. There you go. And sci-fi has already had their zombie show, and they've had another zombie show. Was There's, that the Planet Z or whatever the yeah. hell they were calling it? I can't remember. And and of course, zombie shows doing great on AMC. Yeah. And we got plenty of these zombie movies that are still coming out. That's right. And do I think that we are going to grab enough eyes for another zombie show, even if it's Romero-driven? Oh, Romero. Don't you ignore that name. I, I, Don't you ignore that I, name. I can't. But you know what? The last Romero zombie films didn't do very well. Don't, That's true. Neither were they very good. That is also true. But this is TV. It changes everything. No, if you it say so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Todd, right now, we're on the, we're, we're going to be, let's be entry level. Abandoned malls are going to be a thing. I will say, the sets will be cheap. Yes. Right. <laughs> we can film on location. You'll, you'll have they'll your, pay, you'll they'll have pay your, us. Yeah, yeah, you'll have your pick. <laughs> there you go. I'm telling you. Let's set this at Mall of America. <laughs> In fact, some of my uh, yeah. abandoned exploration YouTube channels that I follow ha- have gotten to the point where I'm like, another mall that you're exploring? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, and that's not an exaggeration. No, it no. literally is happening. No, it is in trouble already, and Dude, this, this pandemic is going to be the nail in the coffin. This is, uh, I mean... Uh, well, they were huge tax shelters for such a long time, oh, which then is why... Be, oh, then they'll be which, here forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. They, that's, they're not anymore, oh, but oh, that's oh, why we got so many oh. malls for so many years was because they were essentially huge tax shelters. You right? know. I watched this whole economy thing on it, and they were talking about... The advent of the 
the mall and the mega mall and then why they're starting to to fall off you know i want to say it's on the cheddar channel on youtube if i'm not mistaken it's actually called cheddar that's what it's oh, called okay no i've heard but i'm not i'm not i'm not 100 sure if that's oh, the one i uh, saw though i'm not watching it because that's false advertising what if i'm turning into the cheddar channel i want cheese well well it's, it's very cheesy malls <laughs> I'm telling you, abandoned malls. It's so gonna did, be the okay, so thing. you you changed yours to yes, red. Yes, I'm red lighting it. I'm red lighting because I don't think we're still green. I don't think we'll make money because so, I think malls yeah. are in. So you and I are green and he's red. Okay. So a green to the surreal term. That's right. And a oh, this is surreal term. And a and a red to uh, <laughs> we're still on that <laughs> to the day of the dead. That's I think no. you got it backwards. I thought it was red on surreal term. No, we green. No, that. no, we green that. You two green because it's scripted. No. Yeah. Oh, did you give it a green, Jeff? What? The Day of the Dead? Yes. Okay, I take it back. You, uh, <laughs> I, I missed that. You, you Good green. thing you caught that. You see yeah. how he was trying to slide that bias? Yeah, he was trying to oh, outvote us. Yeah. I, I'm trying to save yeah. this company money. He was going to use his supremacy clause <laughs> yes. as the runner of the he, board. Yeah, he was going to use your you know, f- you know fucking slide it by you clause. <laughs> Son of a bitch. My flip-flop nature yeah. on it. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to uh, red light it, but uh, I want to red light it. It was an honest mistake. Sounds interesting. Oh Got him kind of over the whole zombie motherfuckers thing. motherfuckers overspending bastards. No, no. It was an honest mistake. Your honor. <laughs> you're, you're getting it wrong. This is going to get you in trouble someday, dude. I mean, he's not it's wrong. It's not like I, this I is did, getting recorded. <laughs> I did red light the first one, though. The Surrealtor. I hey, you know, that's okay, because I had his vote on that one. I've mm-hmm. got to keep these properties rolling. We're in money only because of me. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what's, what's, your, what's your major uh, boon to this company financially? Which, which I say major yes to the money makers. Ah, is that like what? I have no idea. <laughs> I, seriously, <laughs> it w- it'd be fun if like Jeff and Pat Spurl would get to yeah, <laughs> and just like go through all the red light, green lights and see which ones took off and which ones utterly failed and see which one of us has his finger on the pulse of the viewing public. That is a hell of a task. I was going to say, that sounds like a lot of work. you You got better things to do with your time. What are you talking about? It's the age of COVID. They're not doing shit. (laughs) How dare you, sir? (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you right now. All right. I'm making this company money. I don't know. I don't think you are. Oh, I see. I see. I, I think you are the... The opposite of this. You you are dragging this co- this company down with your horrible decisions, and I can not prove it. Yeah, no, you can't. That's right. All right. At least Andy's not here. Oh, geez. Then we'd you know all those rainbow f- uh, glitter fart pony movies would be getting <laughs> he, greened. He he would have he would have he would have greenlit the <laughs> sea monkeys movie, and we can't and, have that. Uh, you know, it's just oh, feel good. Oh, a young child smiles at the end. Green light. It's like, oh fuck, <laughs> this shit again. The Jerry, the Epstein story. No, never, never, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yes. Next. Red light, green light. Okay, green light. Maybe. Apple is developing Invasion, a new sci-fi series from X-Men writer Simon Kinberg, and Hunters and Twilight Zone writer David Wheel. Described by Deadline as, quote, one of Apple's most ambitious original series to date, unquote. The character-driven drama follows how people across the world respond when an alien civilization invades Earth. 
The show will be shot on four continents with production set for New York, the United Kingdom, Morocco, and Japan. It stars Sam Neill as John Bell Tyson, a seen-it-all sheriff who's nearing his retirement just as the aliens arrive. Also starring are uh, Shamir Anderson as an quote-unquote extraordinary soldier named Trevante Ward, stationed in Afghanistan. Golshivita Farahani as uh, Anakiza Malik, a first-generation immigrant from Syria who's raising a family in Long Island with her husband. And Sholi Kasana, a as uh, Mitsuki, a mission control member of Japan's National Space Program. Written and executive produced by Kinsberg and Wheel, the series will be helmed by the alienist director, Jacob Verbruggen. That was right. Also, who also directed episodes of both Black Mirror and The Twilight Zone. So Apple's Invasion. Red light, green light. Yeah. Yeah, green light. I gotta go green. green immediately on this one. It's... I want a new V. This sounds kind of like V. Yeah. Oh, don't, v, don't. V V on a grander scale. Don't make me. Don't don't put me there. Just, so so instead of just this is just showing the shots of what's happening in the name, but the stories in the U.S. Nah, I want I, this. I want these worldwide stories. I like that mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, like yeah. World War Z. Yeah. How about we do invasion with zombies? No. World War Z. The, you know? the aliens are zombies. And 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 we'll set it in. All across the world, abandoned malls. You are trying to sink this company. I, I'm telling you, abandoned malls are gun, are the future, guys. That's going to become <laughs> alien <the new> zombie <laughs> invasion of abandoned malls. There you go. Yeah, great. Let's let's pitch it to Troma. You know, they'll be they'll be. We'll get that. We'll get a place in uh, in uh, Bavaria. You know, there's got to be there's got to be a couple malls, uh, right? In Russia, it's worldwide. You know, all right. There's a, it, it, see if we can open up the Iran market. Find if there's a mall in Tehran that's failing. You know. You know what? Not only am I green lighting this, I'm putting Commander K in charge of this project. <laughs> I want him to go scout all these locations for oh, us. Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> hey, it's on company money. For now. <laughs> There's got to be a ooh. I, I, well, well, we'll cut off his funding when he reaches Belarus. No, not Belarus. Oh well, but but before that, I'm going to be going to Rio de Janeiro. Check out those malls, man. Are you okay, Jeff? You're taking apart your phone. He's bored, so he's not just going to take apart some shit. No, I'm not bored. It's just my OCD. Oh, I saw man. something under my case that I was like, "What is that?" Oh, and it was bugging me. Jeff was on the case. Yes, he was. Yeah. You know. I'm always on the case. Don't get on Jeff's case. No, no, because he'll try to wipe you off. Yeah. He will wipe you. All right. Next one. Red light, green light. Okay. Mm-hmm. Victoria Mahoney, the first female director of the Star Wars franchise, is developing a sci-fi series for Amazon alongside Ava DuVernay, who did uh, New Gods, DMZ comics. Right. Uh, based on Dawn, an award-winning 1987 science fiction novel by Octavia Butler. The upcoming show is said to follow, quote, an African-American woman who works with aliens to resurrect the human race 250 years after a nuclear war, unquote. Dawn is the first entry in Butler's Lilith Blood trilogy, whose second and third installments are titled Adulthood Rights and Imago. Uh, Lilith, let's see, uh, okay, this is the uh, book description from that first book that they're going to adapt. 
Lilith, uh, Jesus, what time is it? Oh, look at that, hour 47. It's been happening for a while, obviously. <laughs> Lilith Lapayo has just lost her husband and son when atomic fire consumes Earth, the last stage of the planet's final war. Hundreds of years later, Lilith awakens deep in the hold of a massive alien spacecraft piloted by the Onkali, who arrived just in time to save humanity from extinction. They have kept Lilith and other survivors asleep for centuries as they learned whatever they could about Earth. Now it is time for Lilith to lead them back to her home world, but life among the Okani on the newly resettled planet will be nothing like it was before. Mm. The Onkali survive by genetically merging with primitive civilizations, oh. whether their new hosts like it or not. Bork. For the first time since the nuclear holocaust, Earth will be inhabited. Grass will grow, animals will run, and people will learn to survive the planet's untamed wilderness, but their children will not be human. Not exactly. Urgh. Featuring strong, compelling characters and exploring complex themes of gender and species, Octavia Butler presents a powerful post-apocalyptic interplanetary epic, as well as a ray of hope for humanity. So there you go, guys. Woof. That adds a lot to chew on. Yes. Yeah. Dawn. That sounds interesting and like different that. enough that uh, I don't think anything exactly like that's been done I, before. I'm, I'm green. So, yeah, I'm a green. You know, yeah. I'll green light it. If 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 it's done well? No, no, no. Oh. They, 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 uh, just a couple minor changes. Oh, okay. So, like the Okani, yes. you know, they, they, they do the merging to make new. So, what if in the merging... All the the children, the moiching, are zombies, and the uh, best places they have to establish new communities to settle the world are abandoned malls, uh-huh. right? Because those are the places that survive, you know, with all the uh, wild overgrowth over the past two hundred years. I think Kirsten really misses hot topic these days. It's I guess so. It's yeah. Gamekeeper. I miss Gamekeeper. <laughs> And I neglected to go Mahoney when you yeah. were reading off the names. No, of the I don't call that neglect. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, with those changes, green light. Uh, green light without those changes. Dawn um, Mall, or yeah, Mall Dawn. Dawn of the Mall. No, there no. You there you go, Mall Dawn. Dawn of the Zombie Mall. Yeah, or no, Dawn of the Dead Mall. Dead. <laughs> yeah, Dead Mall. Has that been? Can we get a an EDM um, uh, electric band, dance music? You know, Dead Mall. I'm sure it wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got it. Oh, Mall of the Dead. Mall of the Dead. There you it's go. It's getting shorter. I'll give it that. <gasps> and we spell it M A U L. Ooh. You know, even though it's still in a mall. mall right. Why don't we just call it Mall? M A U L. Drop all the rest of it. Just call it Mall. Or you could call it Mall Mall. M A U L M A L L. Yeah, there you go. That's 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 my favorite of them. Right? I just love hearing you say it. Wow, Jeff's named two episodes, but he's done it in the same episode. <laughs> mall, mall. Uh, yeah, mall, mall. Which sounds like an old person's cat when you say it out loud. Yeah. It kind of does, doesn't it? Come here, mall, mall. We gotta go go to the store. You have to stay in the car. <laughs> Mom, mom, you, you shed too much. And then when the old person gets to the store, the zombies are like, and the old person's like, oh, God, more zombies. And she pulls out the 357 Magnum from her purse. 
and just takes headshots. And every time she fires, it knocks her across the room. Yeah, you oh, know okay. she staggers a bit. So dawn, I say green light as well. <laughs> green light as well on dawn. Dawn. It's Todd's like mall mall. You guys are embellishing way too much on this you idea. Know. It's There's time a to move on. A lot of neat things happening. It's it's getting yeah. me interested in the book, frankly. <laughs> Well, why don't you nominate it for the Geek Shock Books Club? He's going to read the Octavia Butler books. He's going to be like, there are no malls in here. (laughs) I was sold a bill of goods. (laughs) Which brings up the other series, Bill of Goods. Right? This guy named Bill. Bill Good? (laughs) (laughs) G-O-O-D. Right? He gets some aliens, sell him to some zombies. Right? And so he's like, he's got to escape, and it's really hard because all the exits to, from the mall are blocked. We have time for one more. Okay. Uno mas. Uno mas. Red Ooh. light, green light. I think that's a great title. No, it isn't. Red light, what? green light. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I want to see a movie. Uno mas. I you think know, it's been done before. You have a whole bunch of aliens. Right, and they're all orbiting right. the Earth, right. and they're like, "We're giving you uno mas." In other words, we don't have time for one more. We do. I'm going to enforce the issue. <laughs> Red light, green light. HBO is adapting another Michael Crichton creation, the, the 1987 novel Sphere, with Westworld executive producer Denise Tay at the helm. Sphere follows a group of scientists who are sent to inspect a mysterious alien craft at the bottom of the ocean. Once there, however, the intellectuals are forced to confront the mind-blowing mysteries of the universe, giant marine creatures, and terrifying truth that humans can be just as alien as the extraterrestrials. Uh, Westworld creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy will executive produce the show alongside Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Downey. The Sphere... Robert does, Downey Jr. Yeah, and that, Susan Downey? Yeah. yeah, they have a production company called Team Downey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sphere was previously adapted into a feature film in 98. The movie was a box office flop and holds an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> uh, uh, well, make it a TV show. Uh, Faye was a writer for season three of Westworld. She's also written for Person of Interest, Gotham, Medium, Cold Case, and Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. So there it is. That is Michael Crichton's Sphere for HBO. Uh, yeah, I, I I want to green light this because I remember the movie was just so... I remember From what I remember of the novel, there was so much more that they told in the novel, and the movie just did not do it justice at all. I mean, it was so compressed. There was so little of what was in the book in the movie that I don't know how they could call it sphere other than the overall, I guess the overarching theme was in there. But even then it was only such a small part of what I do remember the novel is it's been, it's been 30 years since I read the yeah, novel. It's so it's, 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 it's not fresh in my brain. So I'm struggling trying to remember bits of Dude, the Dude, I can't remember books mo- I read book. six months ago. Well, yeah, it's true. What are books? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I you know, Greenlight. Uh I love the pedigree behind it. Uh Team Downey just uh produced the uh the Perry Mason series that was just on. Um you've got Kilter Films behind it, which is the the you know, the uh, the company that's been producing Westworld forever. So that's Jonathan that, Jonathan that's, Nolan's production. That's what company. I'm that's that's what I'm uh 
compelled by. Yeah. Plus, we do sphere this time. They can tell the actors beforehand if the sphere is silver instead of gold. Oh, right. So that they can make the right <laughs> acting choices. Because, you know, if, if that stuff's important. It is a little it, important. And it kind of just throws you when they... They tell you it's silver, and then they make it gold, and you're gaslighting. Like, That's what it was. What what what, what, am, what am I doing here? What it's is obviously this? gold. Now, if you know the sphere, um, of course is fuck me. What? 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 No, go ahead. <laughs> no, what? No, no, please go ahead with is what you're going to say. Is it in an abandoned mall? Well, the world's <laughs> first mall underwater, right? And. It was abandoned because it was underwater, and people just were having a hard time getting there. Yeah, think. You know, so that they were like, happen. fuck it. But it was still sealed. So, they're, you know, it's not full of water. It's just under it. Right? Oh, okay. You know, now, like in, like in, um, what, 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 was it Day of the Dead? It was the, or the, the return of, I can't remember which Romero one it was, but you had the really smart gas station attendant zombie realize he could just walk underwater through the river and all, all the other zombies followed him. So they oh, make that's it. The, that's the, uh, Land of the Dead. Land of yeah. the Dead. So yep. the Land of the Dead zombies get to this abandoned mall underwater. And then the aliens send the sphere. You're giving him a lot of leash here. To tell the humans, you got Umo Moss. <laughs> I wasn't on board for the last line. There That's, you go. That was not much of a payoff. That's no. the hook. <laughs> it's the hook. At this point, I'm just envisioning hot dog on stick workers, <laughs> zombies walking oh, around with oh that. Dude, zombies, zombies, zombies making, making the lemonade. The lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll call that one zombie on a stick. Yeah. You know what? That's not the last one. I'm going to do another one. <laughs> you need a little palate cleanser we're gonna do to finish, one. To finish no, off. No, there's nothing Good to luck. clean this palate. This Good is, luck. This is, this is a fucking dirt mouth. One, one thing this episode is teaching me is I can make anything into a zombies in an abandoned mall movie. And I can even throw in It, it hurts me that you think that. It hurts you that I'm doing it. It does. You're right. You know <laughs> I amend my statement. You know what, Kirsten? You should take these ideas and write it into a, uh, a campaign yeah. for, for one of your DMing sessions. There you go. Se- sessions. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess that should be GM because how would you work an abandoned mall into D and D? I'll oh, figure oh, it yeah, out. I'll say that's uh, that's the bizarre. Nah. All it, right, last one. Red last light, one. La- red light, green light. Green light. If there's zombies and a mall, could be in this one. Aha! Could see, be. look at the light this, in his this eyes, has, Jeff. This has a possibility. Mm, I I won him over. All right, here we go. AMC has found its latest IP to adapt. The 1992 cult classic film Stay Tuned, which starred John Ritter and Pam Dauber as a married couple, Roy and Helen Nabel, who get sucked into hell through their new satellite dish and are forced to survive Hell Vision, a series of shows of varying genres and forms in order to eventually free themselves, lest their souls be trapped and owned by Satan. 
The idea comes from the Fear the Walking Dead co-showrunner and executive producer Ian Goldberg, who will be writing the series alongside Richard Nang, his fellow producer on Fear the Walking Dead. The duo previously wrote the uh, 2019 haunted house film Eli, as well as supernatural horror film The Autopsy Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, No release date has been set for the series, so stay tuned for AMC right after this. Hmm. I'll confess, I still really like that movie. There you go! It was, that movie was just, I thought it was hilarious back then. Um, right. the, guy from, the guy from Three's Company. Yes. And, and the girl from Mark and Mindy, right? Yes. That's Pam Dauber. Yes. Yeah. They're, and the, they're, the, they're the parents. They get sucked yep. into the TV and they are forced to go through varying shows, which are satires of real shows at yes. the time. And, and I, sh- I should hope that if it's a series, then each episode is on a particular genre of television or a particular show. You know, I'm torn on this one. I'm like, I, I'm just, just trying to think how. Oh, you would, I'm not. I, how? Green. How? The, other than the green. way you're saying it, how you would adapt it as a series? Oh, come on. Jeff. But I'm, I'm, other than gonna, what I'm saying, you just said the going, magic words right there. What I was going to say, I'm willing to give it a shot. So green light. <laughs> Jesus, I, I wore him down. Never seen it. Um, you never saw state. Well, okay. I never I, saw I, it. Oh, are you surprised? Yeah, I, um, I just realized. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, Hell, you would have never seen uh, Repossessed if I didn't force you to watch it. Good point. That's, yeah. Never would have seen Blade Runner if, you know, something. Right there, too. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there is an interesting concept in this. Uh, it's It does come down to how are you going to do this? Because the movie, each yeah. channel is just like a couple of minutes, right? And then it, flashed, then it goes back to the kids and how they're dealing with it. Right. And-, and, and and also the movie, a lot of the TV shows, I mean, some of them are timeless, like you, know, you get into the classic movies channel and it's you know stuff that you're going to see nowadays on classic movies. But some of it is, some of the shows that he popped in to were very much a product of the time that right. that was produced. So you and would I think definitely, that's the, the idea yeah, here is modernize it. Here it is. We're past the golden age of television, and right. television is the entertainment choice for everybody. I wouldn't say and we're past the gold. I think we're we're in a different age. age of television it is, it is, where it is, it's it's more on I, the pay TV. Right. I'm not. I'm the, not saying that's yeah, a, yeah. a worse time. The golden age of television is you know the Sopranos and sure. when all that was out. Uh, this is post that time. TV's even better now, I will say. It's all, but you're right, a whole new age. But there's plenty of things to make fun of in the zeitgeist, yes. whether you're talking about Kardashian stuff or the HDT TV stuff. Oh, with or, all the reality. Oh, reality, yeah. Right. All the reality stuff. You've Dude. got a cornucopia of things to choose Good from. Goodness gracious. There's, there's, a, and I get a, uh, an almost the good place vibe in terms of trying to figure out how this works and and trying to to get out right. of it you know I, I i really think that's a great idea and of course you uh series finale it's amc <laughs> so they end up in walking dead oh Okay, and, sure. Uh, you know, there's well, a, you know that's going to happen and there's on a, this show. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He's pitching it's something like real now. He pitched, and, yeah, he's going to say he actually pitched something which has potential. You know? It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. and they're in this abandoned mall, and yeah. they, they, they finally find the exit, and it's the, the handicapped elevator, which they oh. realize this still works. And they, they get in it, and they go up, Right. And right into their living room. Right. 
except except the living room is actually ends up being a simulation on an alien shuttle and the aliens come out and say uno mas there you go what's your uno mas write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com and until next week i'm master torgo 80s jeff fucking genius k (laughs) i'll talk to you next week in geek your mileage may vary (laughs) so you're saying your new nickname is fgk there you go abandoned malls apparently all the rage that's what jeff watches on cheddar they're all over the place you know you're never you're never going to want for one or uh, you know then we can open up a chain of abandoned mall haunted houses right people okay. go through them being hey, chased by zombies hey you design haunted houses you know yeah yeah you know you're the man for this you're the point man it's you know what it's got the floor space there you go every store can have its own theme yeah it gives yeah. you a lot of room to work with there you yep. go you got stairs gotta go upstairs gotta go downstairs yeah. which I level say, which some level of them are multiple floors yeah you gotta avoid the flying shit but other than that this can work you know and the food court is already a horror in, a, in and of itself in, a, in a, every mall well so. that's cause it's a borrow's thing it's a horror, horror show what world was he? 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 What world was he?